0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. What does it mean when a company's
1: share price falls to cheap prices and executive insiders don't buy more?
0: My question is, how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? I had a question about Dutch Bros. It's going to
1: be a new IPO.
0: And provides unbiased answers.
1: I think the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers.
0: Invest Talk. Across America and around the world, your participation makes it unique. 88899 chart
2: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President, KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, January 6th, 2021, ed- edition of Invest Talk. And we have completed four trading days in the new year. And it's really started off with a bang. And change is in the air. And the question is can you use that change to your advantage to help build and protect your portfolio? And that's why we are here, is to help you reset the clock. It's a new year and a new challenge. Every year brings different challenges and different markets. Some similar to the previous year, some drastically different. And while last year there was a hint of rotation in the market. It really didn't come on until you know mid to late in the year. And this year it's coming on rather quickly, rather early. And so I'm going to submit a challenge to all of you. To start bringing your questions to the table, for On companies that fit the market that we're in. I get a lot of calls about story stocks and tech companies. And I feel like a broken record. No. Look for value. Look for companies with cash flow, dividends, consistent businesses that aren't issuing shares to sustain their business, that are maybe buying back shares, that are growing their dividend, that are in your bread and butter economy sectors, financials, industrials, commodities, energy, etc. So I challenge all of you to start thinking in those terms and bring those type of companies to the discussion. Because those are the ones that are going to not only benefit you in the coming years, but the rest of the listeners as well. I think of you guys as a community of like-minded investors who are trying to find their way. Their way towards financial freedom. Their way towards good financial decisions. And I'm going to help you just like I do every day. What I'm doing the show is help you take that next step in your path towards financial freedom. And I'm going to use my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. I'm here to distill the data, the information that I have in front of me and 20 plus years of investment experience and bring it all to you without bias, just the facts and the perspective. So I'm Justin Klein. I encourage you to reach out to me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show to how you want it. I can talk about whatever's on my mind, but ultimately this show is about you. So I encourage you to interact with me right now during our live stream program for four to five Pacific time. But I know a lot of you are listening after hours. No big deal. Leave your question on our Invest Talk Voice Bank at 88, excuse me, 888.99 chart. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hi, this is Mad Miami. I'm just hoping that you guys take a look at FDX, FedEx.
0: I'm just curious if you think that they can actually meet their forward earnings per share estimate, which seems a little over exaggerated in my opinion. It looks like it's they're betting on probably about twenty to twenty three dollars over the next like one or two years, which based on the price of the stock now isn't a terrible evaluation. But I'm kinda of skeptical. Would love to hear your opinion on it. Thank you very
1: much. Have a good day, guys. All right. This is FedEx, and this is off from a 52-week high, about 17%. That's after its recent rally from about $220 a share to 263 So it's still over about 18% off that high. Yields 1.1%. Earnings this year are expected to be up 14% to $20.75. Next year, to $23.06. So low... Teens on average, earnings growth, which is very solid. And it's trading at about 15 times earnings currently. And if you look going forward, it's only trading at about 12 to 13 times earnings. That's good. But it's about fairly valued in our mind. Our value is right around $250 per share. So do I think it could get there? Yes. But it's such a large company. Uh, and their, the, the recent woes uh, when it comes to labor, I think, are going to be more persistent for FedEx. I, th- I think the labor issues, while they are going to improve in the, uh, the, the short to medium term from what we saw last year, there's going to be a more persistent trend towards a tighter labor market and wage inflation. And while the demand for FedEx's products are there, uh, there are also alternatives. You see that with UPS, the Postal Service, and even Amazon bringing uh, their shipping in-house. And so I think there's still a lot of issues with their business that's manifested over the past 18 months or so. And so I would see that their margins are going to probably trend back to where they were pre pandemic. And that was closer to three to 4% on average. Now it's at five and a half or 6% depending on, you know, the last 18 months. So I, I do think that the earnings expectations are a bit aggressive and it's not cheap enough, but I like, That this is your bread and butter type of business this is would be in the industrial space the transportation space and still a good company to own longer term because you have consistent return equity in the high teens or so over the last decade which is good but it's over earning currently and i would think that this is a a better bet for to, to wait on for a more attractive valuation but Definitely a company everyone should have on your watch list because of its consistency and its cash flow. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Mortgage rates have hit a nine-month high, and loan demand has dropped even further. Home applications are down 12% year-over-year. New home applications. So we're going to look at that data and what that means for the housing market as a whole. I also want to touch on the rotation so far. What uh, what's the number? What are the numbers? Four days in. What numbers are we seeing in the domestic market? Which parts have underperformed the most dramatic of the Russell one thousand stocks? And then, how does that feed into the global investment picture when it comes to equities? So I want to talk about that. Also, the consumer or the the uh, what is it? the the trade deficit, there we go. That came in. And I want to touch on those details as well and what the the last couple of months of the year had in store for the goods market and our global uh, global trade. So I want to touch on that. And then cryptocurrency and regulation if we have time. So that's what's on my mind. Let's take a look at the market today. You had a decent up day overall, although the S&P did close down four and a half points. You had the NASDAQ, that was down 19 points. And then you had the NYSE, that was up 44 points. So that's when I say you have a decent up day. NYSE up 44 points about, what's about, 0.2, about a quarter of a percent. So very modest up day more broadly. Uh, it was really concentrated on the, the Russell. That was up 12 points, so about a half a percent there. And the Dow, which I, I don't really look at typically, that was down 170 points. So the broad indices, this is one of those days where the broad indices are showing weakness. So it was a down day. but uh, or sorry, Not the broad indices, the indices that most people follow, showing it was a down day. The broadest indices, the NYC, that was showing it was a modest up day. So a little bit of bounce back after strong sell-off um, really didn't have an over uh, uh, an area of the market that did what better than other large cap or, 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 or small or value or growth. It was just kind of a pause day overall. Now this is Invest Talk. Uh, and it will be made better if you are part of the mix. So call me with your questions at eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart
0: You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Justin Klein. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest
1: Talk, 888 99 Chart. Let's go to James in Sonoma looking at Evercore Incorporated. How are you doing, James? Oh, I guess James uh, dropped off. Uh Uh-oh. Well, uh, James, call back in and I'd be happy to... Well, why don't I cover Evercore? Uh, It sounds like that's what you wanted to talk about. And this is a company that provides advisory services on mergers and acquisitions, divestitures, restructuring. So, it's kind of a it's an investment bank, really. 5.3 billion dollar market cap and this is the type of name that is that benefits from a, an active IPO market, uh, M&A market, uh, basically just activity within the within the capital markets. And that shows you had record IPO activity last year, and they had earnings of $9.62, which was a record high, supposed to make $14.86. Uh, so that was 2020. 2021, $14.86. So huge increase, 54% increase in earnings last year versus 2020. The, but supposed to fall back 9% this year to $13 and 46 cents. And that's continued to be downgraded. So I think this is over earning, it's probably gonna trend back to its its $9 and change uh, earnings. And this is a very cyclical uh, stock. When you have the cost of capital rising, that means M and A activity kind of uh, dries up. And so, uh, and the technicals have peaked in October, it peaked, uh, especially as the fed, Started to hint at accelerating their tapering and being more aggressive with their tightening. That certainly impacts uh, the, the the activity market within the uh, the capital markets. So I, I like the company overall. I just think currently it's over earning, and so I would be patient on its return. Equity is sixty percent, which it's never been that high. And if you go over the last decade, it's been around 20% on average. So I think this is just an environment that's really helping them. And I would probably wait on this because you are starting to see the ebb in the capital markets uh, recently. And I think this will be a less active year overall. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch quickly on mortgage rates. Mortgage rates are on the rise and mortgage demand fell 2.7% to end 2021. That was the two final weeks of the year versus the previous two weeks. Now the average interest rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage was 3.33%. That was up from 3.27% the previous couple of weeks. And that's going to accelerate here with interest rates over the past few days really really going higher and you've had about uh you're probably going to get up to about three and a half percent on the 30-year fixed and these are for loans with 20 percent down now that rate overall 3.33 was up 47 basis points from the same week a year ago so going back to 2020 and so you're seeing a pretty large increase uh nearly 3 30, 75 basis points probably from a little over a year ago and that's going to hurt profitability now Mortgage applications for home purchase were down four percent and twelve percent year over year. That's the weakest showing since October of last year, when also rates were up. So you can see the higher rates just really, really, really affecting demand uh, and affordability. But the housing market is slow to move, and uh, you're probably going to see the impact later in the year on prices. Now we're heading to a break. So give me a call at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
0: You Are listening to Invest Talk? Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hey, my name is James. I uh, just actually started listening to the program and uh, impressed so far and uh, happy with it so far. I uh, just had a question about what to uh, to
1: purchase at the moment with the, the start of the decline here in stocks and not wanting to invest in technology or any of those things. Is now a good time to buy commodities or should a person wait for a while, give a little breathing room and see if commodity prices come down and then purchase at that point? Thanks, Pike. Well, we recently had a pullback in commodities as a whole. It peaked in October and found a low when oil kind of fell out of bed late November, uh, remember post Thanksgiving. And uh, that was on the Omicron scare. And everyone was worried that Omicron was going to be this next uh, crazy version of the the COVID virus that was going to potentially shut down the economy, et cetera. And oil snapped back rather quickly. And... back to those levels really um, and same with commodities or with levels previous before Thanksgiving excuse me and so uh, commodities of a whole also uh, snap back so you kind of got that that pullback and refreshed the space as a whole now that makes me bullish on commodities now every commodity is a little bit different though so understand that understand that Each commodity has its own supply-demand dynamics. You see that with what's happening in Kazakhstan and uranium, where a lot of the uranium supply comes out of Kazakhstan and they're having political strife. And that creates issues with supply. And so that's that own particular supply-demand dynamic. Then you have copper. You have Ford, who just uh, doubled, quadrupled their plans for production of the F-150 electric pickup truck, which that creates a lot more demand for copper. And bringing on copper mines takes a while. A lot more time than, say, a lithium mine. So every commodity has its own supply-demand dynamics. But in general, this is a good time, I think, for commodity exposure, even though the economy is slowing, it's more of a supply issue. Demand while while the economy is slowing, demand is still increasing, which is atypical for a time when the economy is slowing. So typically, that's when demand is eroding. Well, what's happening now is economy are reopening. Omicron is maybe the end and the start of COVID just being endemic. And you've seen with government action, it really hasn't been that dramatic, even though cases are spiking. And so I still think commodities are a great place to be, uh, especially much better than tech right now. Now let's touch on that. Let's touch on what's happened so far this year. And let's look at some numbers. Now year to year-to-date growth stocks They've, they've, they've struggled, but old world cyclical stocks, banking, energy, industrials, they've outperformed. And the ARK ETF down 11% year to date, just yesterday, you had Roku down 11%, DocuSign down 6.7%, Tesla down 5.4%, now down more uh, today, Bitcoin down 7% over the past 24 hours, Ethereum down 11%. So all of those tech, crypto, growth-type companies and and assets are struggling in just a short period of time, less than a week into the year. And this this reminds you, this should remind you, that the old adage of price is what you pay, value is what you get. It's the most important thing for any investor to understand just because a certain price today that the asset is trading at does not mean that that is the value of that asset. That is simply the current price. Price is what you pay. Value is what you get. Now looking at the Russell 1000 decile performance based on price to sales ratio, this is very important. The lowest 20% price to sales ratios in the Russell 1000. Those stocks on average are up for the year, the lowest 0.9%, second lowest 1.5%. The highest price to sales ratio, the top 10%, the basically the hundred highest price to sales ratio companies within the Russell 1000. What are they so far this year? they're down 7.8%, 7. 7.8%. 7. So you're talking the lowest ones up on average, 1.2 ish percent, the most expensive down 7.8. The second most expensive, the second decile down 5%. Third most expensive down 3.2%. So you can see all of these companies that the, that, that uh, people are paying 10, 20, 30 times sales, sometimes 50 times sales. Those are coming back down to earth. And when the tide starts to go out, it often doesn't stop until all of those names get down to a reasonable valuation and sentiment is still getting worse. It's not at the peak. So fundamentals have been forgotten for a long time, but investors are starting to find out that they matter again. And so stay focused on fundamentals, stay focused on value, and don't get in front of this pickup truck that's about to run a lot of investors over. We're heading to a break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, k-e-r-o-n-e dot com hackerone dot com
0: this is invest talk is your portfolio balanced? is it optimized is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom well turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers and Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART.
2: Hello, this is Luke from New York, my longtime listener. I'm calling about MP materials, Mary, Peter. I have a large position in it and it looks like it's nearing its 52 week high. My cost per share is $31. It's currently close to $51. Would you recommend holding it Or take profits and invest in something else my other question is if mp drops again to low 30s should i pick it up again and hold and sell in the 50s hopefully or do you think we may be nearing the peaks in the materials sector we'll be waiting to hear your answer on the podcast thanks for all you guys do all
1: right this is mp materials now what i will say is yesterday was a big reversal candle on the chart, uh, engulfing, and that is pretty bearish uh, after this big run from May when it was in the mid-20s and hit a high of $52 yesterday and now down to 45. So big reversal here, uh, down another 20 cents today. So near-term technicals, a little little worried about those. So this is a good time to sell if you're thinking about selling. let me give you the the pros and cons you always want to look at the pros and cons now what is mp materials this is one of the only or the, the largest rare earth company here in the united states so most rare earths are coming from china and this company is completely domiciled here in the united states and they own and operate uh, mountain past the only integrated rare earth mining and processing site in North America. And a lot of their raw materials go into electric vehicles, wind turbines, drones, etc. So this is to me more a play on geopolitical concerns between the US and China. And if China starts to use that as a political football, that they're not going to allow rare earths to be exported. That could be beneficial for a company like MP. Now, current earnings and even projected earnings of around a dollar per share this year makes the company pretty overvalued. $45 per share currently. 45 times earnings is is pretty high. Um, and that's my issue is it's just a bit expensive earnings growth expect to slow dramatically this year and so it's likely to be a volatile name and you've seen that over the past couple of days so i would probably at least trim my position and look for a retrace back in like you said to the low 30s high 20s and that would be an area that is more reasonable from a valuation perspective uh, and still is a good play long term on the demand for rare earths. And if you're bearish on U.S., China uh, geopolitical situation, that is adding to or potentially adding to the value you're going to see from MP material. So I like it long term. I do think there's going to be continued strife there. Demand for rare earths are going to continue. So I like it. But near term, I'm a bit worried. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. So here are some questions from iTunes reviewers. Victoria asks, hi, love your show. I'm curious what you think about PIGFX. P-I-G-F-X. And this is is the Pioneer Fundamental Growth A Shares Fund. She says... uh, Thinking about it as a long-term investment, I have a significant portion of my portfolio in them, but I know they're expensive. Should I consider getting out and moving into low-cost index funds? They had a recent dip, so I don't want to sell low, but don't know if it's wise to stay in. Yes, I would absolutely be selling this. Not only are you paying an expense ratio of 1.04%, which is uh, you know close to what our clients are, are paying for full, uh, f- full service advisory firm, but this is very focused on the growth side of the market, which I've been saying is not where you want to be invested. So when you say, oh, it's expensive, I it's expensive from a uh, an expense ratio standpoint, but it's also expensive for the type of stocks that it owns. The average P ratio is 27, very high. And its highest weighting is Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, MasterCard, Charles Schwab, which is I think probably the best of that bunch, Charles Schwab. But all of those are overvalued. Some dramatically so, some only mildly so. And once again, you're going to be looking to have exposure to basic materials, real estate, energy, industrials. And this doesn't really have much of any of that. 9% 9% in industrials, 2% energy, 0% basic materials, 0% real estate. It's heavily focused on technology, 30%. So absolutely, I'm getting out of this. Uh, Morningstar even has a negative rating on it. So uh, I would be out very quick. Now, Steve and I have said many times that we appreciate our diverse audience. and In fact, we receive caller questions from across America and around the world. So let's take one of those questions now, this time from a listener in Denmark.
0: Hello, Steve and Justin. This is uh, Yannick from Denmark once again. Uh, Thank you for your comment on Altria. I I bought that one after your advice. I had a question about Walt Disney Company, ticker symbol DIS. I it for the equivalent of some thousand dollars, I think. I am a value investor like you uh, are uh, and advise people to be. So I know it has a very high P-E ratio. And also, I can see that its return on equity is very low. I can't really find that metric on seeking alpha. Equity is very low also going forward. Still, it has uh, bullish recommendations from um, several investors. Mm. So I just wanted to take your advice on whether to keep it. Thank you. Bye
1: are looking at Walt Disney company and this is the perfect example of investors extrapolating growth out more than reality is, uh, should allow them to. And what I mean by that is Disney plus when they announced Disney plus and adding all of those subscribers in late 2020, investors were extrapolating that that was going to amount to a dr- uh, amount of subscribers equivalent to something like a Netflix and the reality is just simply not the case certainly their business has been impacted dramatically uh, because of covid movies and theme park visitors down dramatically and earnings for 2020 and 2021 were around two dollars per share. That was down from five dollars and seventy-six cents in 2019, seven dollars and eight cents in 20 uh, to 2018. 2022 expect to be four dollars and twelve cents. So a nice return to profitability, uh, much better profitability, and expect to be five dollars and sixty-six cents next year. So if they can return to that level, it's still trading. Of 31 times earnings based on next year's earnings, not this year, 2023 earnings. It's a bit rich. It's a bit rich. Now, is it dramatically overvalued anymore? No, it was at 200, and I think that was pretty overvalued. Our fair value is closer to 130. Now, it's at 156. So, come down. I still think uh, they're, they're, it's a great company. And when you're looking at return on equity, don't look at static numbers. You have to look at the longer-term trend. And historically, pre-pandemic, Walt Disney had a return equity pretty consistently in the high teens to the low 20% range. Those are companies that I love. I love those type of companies. So will they eventually get back there? I think they will. And so this is a name that's on my watch list, but the technicals still remain relatively weak. And I think it needs to get back into that 130 level, 120, something like that before I get excited about picking up Walt Disney. But always a company should be on a watch list. And remember, when you're looking at profitability metrics, always look at them over time and make sure you understand how consistent that typically is. If there's any short-term problems that could that that, that could be skewing the, the current numbers and you want companies that are going to trend positively back to where they were longer term. And Disney's one of those. Now we have started a new year and that means you may have gone through the process of assessing your portfolio and whether it fits with our current reality, current market environment. And if you're having trouble understanding, if you're allocated correctly, then reach out to me and, my, and Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, where we practice parallel investing and we provide ungui- unbiased guidance both on and off air. So, if you want to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings, just simply go to investtalk.com or call our KPP Financial office at 800 557 5461 can have a short conversation assess your situation assess your goals and improve help you improve your decision making and your overall strategy so we'd love to help you in any way once again office number is 800-557-5461 next up we'll go back to the invest talk voice bank so hang on
2: Managing multiple mutual funds, researching professional services, where to put your savings. If it's about money and if it's important to you, we want to know more about it. We're here for you. 888-99-CHART is how to reach Steve or Justin right now on Invest Talk.
1: Hi, my name is Lauren and I'm from North Carolina. And I started listening to your podcast a couple years ago now and I absolutely love it. I knew I needed to get more into investing and you guys have helped me make some responsible yet really great investments. I have a question about Berkshire Hathaway B shares, so BRKB. My dad bought me um, about 200 shares at $58 when I was a kid, and I haven't touched them since. However, I've been looking at them and trying to decide if I should sell any or just let it keep growing. So I wanted to know what your opinion was. look forward to listening to your response on the podcast. Thanks. Well, Berkshire Hathaway is one of those tried and true investments. Consistent cash flow, consistently strong allocation of capital, and it's been improving over the last few years. A lot of that has to do uh, with their their scale uh, and Geico just becoming a bigger part of their business, and that's uh, that's doing that's doing better. Earnings for let me pull that up here. Earnings for Berkshire expected to be $11.65 this year, record high. Now, earnings were down a bit in 2020. Uh, Sorry, 2021, $11.65. This year, $12.63. So, trending back to mid to high single-digit earnings growth, which is kind of what Berkshire has been. It's not a fast grower. It's not exciting. But it's a diverse set of businesses, from insurance to energy to the railroad to they have some apparel and flooring and uh just your standard industrial uh, companies along with they, they own shares in a lot of big blue chip names that Warren, Warren likes Coke, etc. So I don't think it's a name that you, you need to sell. Uh I would say it's about fairly valued. Our value is about $320 per share today. Close at $313 per share. nothing wrong with it type of company that i would like now it's not a pure play you may want a pure play uh in the insurance space but if you're owning want to own a diverse diverse set of businesses that are consistent certainly cyclical but good then berkshire you can do a lot worse than berkshire so i see no need to get aggressive on selling it unless you uh, maybe are overweight, your overall allocation, your overall um, exposure based on your total investable assets. Maybe it's time to trim, um, but nothing valuation-wise that tells me you need to sell it. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch on the trade deficit. It widened in November to $80.2 And this was on continued demand for a lot of goods and easing of supply chain constraints, which imports in November increased because ports moved a little bit better. Uh, There was a lot more, a lot more imports and the goods deficit increased in November to a record 99 billion. Now, manufacturers sent fewer goods overseas compared to October, but the positive was we exported tourism well how do you export tourism you bring people in that spend money so spending on tour, by tourists inside us borders because of loosening covid restrictions that helped boost our exports remember that's an export when someone comes here they spend money on on tourist activities then from from overseas that is actually an export Now, backlogs at U.S. ports showed signs of easing over the fall. That helped uh, boost the imports, like I said. And all of the data is showing, especially the ISM report this week, that the supply chain performance is moving towards a more appropriate balance with demand. That's according to the ISM figures. So our deficit widened, but kind of that's a good thing because that means the supply chain is getting better and it's healing. Now we're heading into our final break and I'm ready to answer your questions. So give me a call at 888-99-CHERRY.
0: No two portfolios are alike and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Ab from New York City. I wanted to ask you guys about the symbol VHI. I found the stock on Finviz by purely searching for the fundamentals that you guys have taught us. So the company is profitable and the sales are expected to keep growing steadily. It has very high insider ownership. They have some debt but not too much. And since it's a small-cap company, I'm considering adding it to my Roth IRA for long-term growth. And I see that it has some support at $26. So I was wondering if you would buy this company for a long-term hold. I hope I did my analysis correctly. I really appreciate the podcast. I learned so much from it. Thank you very much.
1: All right. This is Valhi Valhi Valhi. Viel. HI is how you spell it. The symbol is VHI. Very interesting name here. It's a very diverse business. It has three segments, chemicals, component products, and real estate management and development. Now, its main business is it produces and markets titanium pigment dioxide. I believe that goes into paint. And it also manufactures security products. And what's interesting here, processes, treats, stores, and disposes of radioactive and toxic waste. So that's good, especially if nuclear is going to become more popular, which I do think eventually the powers that be eventually realize that. They also provide real estate management services. So an odd mix of businesses. But. They produce consistent cash flow. Been cash flow positive since 2016. They're not issuing much of shares. The return on equity is about mid teens, which is good. And the return on assets have been on average the last decade somewhere around the five six percent range. Certainly inconsistent, but I like it. Trailing twelve months, two hundred and thirty two million dollars in free cash flow. It's only a seven hundred seventy nine million dollar market cap. Like you said, modest debt, 1.2% dividend yield. The chart looks fine. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Interesting, but the type of business that I want to own, even if it's not a pure play and it's diverse. So I'm going to give voli VHI a thumbs up. Now let's touch quickly before we close on the crypto sector. And about regulations and oversight of the cryptocurrency space is pretty spotty, but regulators within the Biden administration are working to clarify market rules in an area that has tripled in value in 2021. to more than $2 trillion. And when it gets that big, there's more concern of financial stability. So, the first question that regulators are trying to answer is what, what is it? Is it a commodity? Is it a currency? Is it an investment? Is it an equity? Is it an investment vehicle of some type? Is it, are, are there shades of it being a security? And that means it falls under different regulatory bodies. And what the goal is, is to promote fair orderly markets, guard against bubbles, prevent crimes, tax evasion. And that's what typically regulators are, are trying to do. Now banks and brokerages are required to set aside money for potential losses. And they're supposed to know their customer. And in exchange, account holders are protected by government government backed insurance. Public companies must follow standard accounting practices. They must disclose information in a timely manner. Uh, exchanges, they gain access to tens of million dollars of liquidity on stock uh, and, and bonds when they, you know, when public companies are listed on exchanges. So it's kind of this give and take. Hey, we're going to give you a lot of information, transparency, go by the rules and in return, banks, brokerages, public companies, they get stability. And the question is, who's going to give the cryptocurrency market that stability? Well, they have to give something in return. And so far, nobody within the space has done that. Nobody has offered regulators enough information to feel comfortable. And so, that's why I think there will continue to crackdown within the space and there's still a lot evolving within the regulatory bodies on cryptocurrency so oh definitely something to watch out for this year i'm justin klein this is another invest talk program steve Peasley and i thank you for listening and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads which now have reached over seven and a half 37 and a half million excuse me thanks to you and you can get yours anytime on itunes spotify google play and be sure to rate and review and if you do